Stress. We all face it every day. It complicates our decisions. It causes sleepless nights. It robs us of the joy of living. So what can we do about it? Where can we go for answers? How do we deal with stress? How can you gain control over the threshold of stress in your life? Does the Bible give any tips about how we can deal with stress? This morning here at Sunrise, we're beginning a brand new series on stress called Stressed Out. And those are the types of questions that we hope to answer. We're going to talk in in general terms this morning about stress. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to address some of the specific causes of stress, like busyness, the hectic pace of life, or emotional reasons like guilt or anger or loneliness, grief, change. Change can cause stress. You know, most people can only tolerate about 20% change in their lives each year. Beyond that, their stress levels go way up. We'll also talk about financial reasons for stress, like living in debt. And we'll talk about relational stresses that you might find in marriages and in families. And we'll see if there are some practical, biblical solutions to the stress levels that so many of us experience in these different areas. You know, stress can be caused by so many things, really. Uh, And it's different for each one of us. You may be stressed out by the demands and the pressures of work. Maybe that's a big deal for you right now. Or maybe you can get stressed out by something as simple as a call from a telemarketer. I actually got a call this week. Uh, I guess it wasn't from a telemarketer. It was from someone taking a survey. We have a provincial election looming over us right now in PEI. In fact, it will probably be announced tomorrow. Uh, And so this was one of those surveys to find out what public opinion is about the parties and the candidates and the issues at hand. Now, I normally ignore those calls. I detest getting them. They stress me out. But I happened to pick this one up, and I agreed to go through the survey. And I thought one of the questions was really bizarre. The, The lady taking the survey asked me this question. She asked, which of the following people are you most likely to vote for? And that was it. No options. I I waited for the options to come. Which of the following people? The following people never came. So I waited a few seconds. Still nothing. And so I repeated the question back to her. Which of the following people am I most likely to vote for? And she said, yes. She just confirmed that that was the question. She she just didn't clue in. And so I gave her the name of one of the political leaders uh, and finished up the survey. But stress can be triggered by something as simple as that. Or it can be something more serious like a major health problem or the loss of a job or a family emergency. Now, in case you're here and you're not sure if you're under stress or not, let me give you the top 10 signs that you are under stress. Top 10 signs that you are stressed out. Number 10, antacid tablets have become your sole source of nutrition. Number 9, You begin to explore the possibility of setting up an IV drip solution of Expresso. Number eight, you say the same sentence over and over again, not realizing that you've said it before. Number seven, you think about how relaxing it would be if you were in jail right now. Number six, you include bathroom breaks on your to-do list. Number five, you're stockpiling food in case that Y2K bug ever hits. Number three, you say the same sentence over and over again, not realizing that you've said it before. Number two, you listen to your relaxation CDs on high speed. And the number one sign that you are stressed out, you're still upset that I skipped number four. 
Well, besides those 10, well, I guess nine, besides those nine things that I just listed for you, there are some common symptoms of stress. There are some signs that you are under stress, some ways that you can identify the results of stress in your life. For example, you might be experiencing memory problems. You might have memory problems, or you might have difficulty making decisions. Maybe you suddenly have an inability to concentrate. Or perhaps you used to have pretty good judgment and suddenly you discover you have poor judgment. Or you've become moody or hypersensitive. Maybe you're experiencing some depression or some anger or resentment. Perhaps you're easily irritated and you always find yourself on edge. Perhaps you suddenly have a, a, a feeling of being overwhelmed. Maybe you're experiencing headaches or you have digestive problems or muscle tension or high blood pressure. Perhaps you have trouble getting to sleep, or on the other end of that, maybe you sleep too much. Those can all be symptoms of stress. And these can lead to some pretty serious problems like heart attacks, or hypertension, or strokes, diabetes. You might move into clinical depression. You might develop ulcers. You might have memory loss. Uh, did I already say that? You might experience some insomnia. You might have thyroid problems, or infertility. You might even experience irritable bowel syndrome. Now with that in mind, just look at the person sitting next to you this morning and ask yourself, just how stressed do they look? Now here's something you need to understand. Stress is not necessarily bad. In fact, you need stress. A certain level of stress is actually healthy. Where you run into problems is when you have a high level of stress for a prolonged period of time. That combination can be deadly. Kind of like a rubber band. A rubber band is only useful when there's some tension, when there's some stress. But too much stress, and what happens? It snaps. And so we all face stress, and a little stress is actually a good thing. But the problem is we tend to go way beyond a healthy dose of stress and we peg that stress needle right in the red danger zone and we keep it there. But the thing is, most of our stress is unnecessary. Are you aware of that? Most of the things that we stress about are unnecessary. Check this out. The self-help guru, uh, Earl Nightingale, has made these observations about the things we get stressed about. He said 40% of the things that we worry about will never happen. 30% deal with the past, which can't be changed. 12% deal with criticisms and petty problems, things that really don't matter a whole lot. 10% of the things that we worry about, uh, that's related to health, which ironically worsens the more we worry. Only 8% of the things that we worry about are real, legitimate concerns. Most of the stuff we stress about just isn't worth it. It's either never going to happen, or we can't do anything about it anyway. Kind of like what Mark Twain said. He said, I, I've dealt with many crises in my life, but few will ever happen. He's talking about what we just mentioned, worrying about things that will never happen. But we do have that 8%. There are the things that legitimately cause us stress, and we can't completely avoid those. We can't eliminate stress. We can reduce it, we can learn to cope with it, but we can't eliminate it. So how do we handle it? Well, let me give you some solutions this morning for surviving the stresses of life. If you want to survive, 
the stresses of life, you need to first of all realize that troubles are going to happen. Realize that troubles are going to happen. There's no way around it. Stress is part of life. We are going to have things that go wrong. Some of the things that go wrong will be our own fault. Some of the things we'll have no control over at all. But we will experience stress. Greg Anderson, he's the author of the 22 Non-Negotiable Laws of Wellness, he said, the perfect no-stress environment is the grave. But as long as you're not in the grave, as long as you're alive, you're going to experience stress. Now, I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by stress because they're not expecting it. They think that somehow they're going to sail through life and they're never going to experience hardships and stress. But it is going to come. That's just a fact of life. In fact, in the passage that we looked at earlier from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Those are the words of Jesus. And you'll notice that Jesus did not say that we wouldn't have stress. He didn't tell us that we would never experience stress. He said we would. He said we would have trouble. But in the face of that trouble, he tells us to relax. Don't be overwhelmed by it. Don't get preoccupied with all the potential problems that may or may not happen down the road. He says just focus on the realities of today. Don't be overwhelmed by all the possibilities down the road. Just focus on the realities of today. There's enough to take care of today. Now, just to clarify, Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't plan for the future. He's saying we shouldn't worry about the future. And planning for it and worrying about it are two very different things. Maybe you've heard of Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom was a Dutch woman who suffered in one of the concentration camps during the Second World War because she had helped some Jews escape from the Nazis. Now, you'd think that if anybody had reason to to worry and to stress, it would be somebody sitting in a Nazi concentration camp. But this is what she said. Corey Ten Boom said, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. So take one day at a time. Realize that, yes, you are going to experience troubles and hardships. You are going to have stress that comes your way. And then what you need to do is just deal with them on a day-to-day basis. Let God worry about tomorrow. You don't get stressed about that yourself. You focus on the realities of the day, realizing that you are going to have enough stress in the moment. Secondly, if you want to survive the stresses of life, keep a positive perspective. See, it's all in how you look at things. Troubles are going to come your way. So when they do, can you see any positive in them? Or can you only see the negative? Do they only lead you to despair? Let me read for you a story. The story says this. There was once a a Canadian bird who decided he didn't want to fly south for the winter. He decided it was nonsense to go all the way down south when he could just stay where he was at. So when all the other birds set out, he stayed behind. Well, after a while, it got kind of cold. Until finally, he could take it no more and he decided to fly south after all. But because he had waited so long, as he was flying through the air, ice began to form on his wings. 
and the ice continued to build to the point where he could fly no longer. And so using all his strength, he glided down and landed in a barnyard. So here's the bird. He's half frozen in a barnyard and at the point of death. And as he's trying to recover, and as he's looking for solutions, along comes a cow who walks right over the bird and drops a plop on him. How's that for a, a, a euphemism? He drops a plop on him. Now the bird is really disgusted. He's half frozen, dying, and now he has this plop on him. After a short time, though, the ice begins to melt off of the bird. He starts to get warm under the plop. He begins to think to himself, I'm getting warm. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. So there, right beneath that plop, he starts to sing one of his little bird songs. He's now happy once again. Well, about that time, a cat comes along and hears a noise coming from underneath this plop. He moves the stuff off the bird and eats the bird. There are three morals to this story. Number one, not everyone who drops a plop on you is necessarily your enemy. Number two, not everyone who moves it off of you is necessarily your friend. And number three, if someone does drop a plop on you, keep your mouth shut. Well, there may be bad things that happen to you, but can you see any good in them? When life does drop a plop on you, can you actually see that there may be something positive that, that could come from it? Stress does not have to be a negative experience for us. It can be good, but a lot of times it depends on how we view it, if it's going to be positive or negative. In the New Testament book of James, in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So can you see that negative things can actually have positive results? Look for the good. If you want to survive the stresses of life, then that's what you have to do. Don't get distracted by and focused on all the negatives. Kim Reichhelm uh, is a world champion tree skier in extreme sports, and she has advised this. She says, don't stare at what you don't want to hit. And I think that's good advice. It makes sense. If you're skiing through trees, if you're a tree skier and you're, you're skiing through the woods, don't focus on the trees. If you do, you're going to hit them. Instead, focus on the spaces between the trees and aim for them. So be positive. Look for the good. Let God use the stresses that come your way. Let him take those and use them to develop perseverance in your life and to help you grow as a person. Keep a positive perspective. Number three, if you, if you want to survive the stresses of life, ask yourself, is this worth stressing about? Just ask yourself that simple question because most of the time, it isn't worth stressing about. See, what happens is this. We see this minor little problem we have and we start to get stressed about it. And so the problem seems to grow. And the bigger the problem seems to us, the more we get stressed about it, which in turn makes the problem seem even larger. And so it's a progressive, cumulative effect until we're left with no perspective on how minor the problem really is. Let me give you an example of this. 
My wife uh, flew out this past week to go on a humanitarian trip to Central Asia. In fact, she's in a country that's pretty close to Iraq. And you'd think that that may be a reason for stress, right? Well, when she left, we knew that we wouldn't be able to be in regular contact. We knew that she probably wouldn't have easy access to, uh, to email or to calling home. So we knew that there was a good chance that she wouldn't be able to get in touch with me once she arrived. But we did hope that she'd be able to find some way to just send a quick email to let me know that she had arrived there safely. But as of today, I still haven't heard from her. And you know what? If I let myself, I could get really stressed out about that. I could start imagining all the possible things that could have gone wrong. But what good would that do? It wouldn't do any good at all. Even if I was right and something terrible had happened, what good would it have done for me to worry about it and get all stressed out without knowing anything? It would have done no good at all. And the truth of the matter is, no, good, uh, no news is good news. If something terrible had happened, I'm pretty sure I would have heard of, of it by now. So the fact that I haven't heard from her yet, that's probably good news. But can you understand how if I let myself, I could get all stressed out about it. I could imagine all these scenarios in my mind and get all worked up and allow the thresh levels to just go out of control in my life. Let me read to you a letter. This letter is supposedly from a freshman girl, which I suppose would be a fresh girl. Uh, this is a letter that a freshman girl wrote to her mother. First year away at college, writing home after the first semester. Maybe you've heard this letter before, but let me read it for you. Dear Mom, since I've been away to college now for one full semester, I think it's time that I bring you up to date on what's going on. Shortly after I arrived at college, I got bored with dormitory life and I stole $20 out of my roommate's purse. With that money, I rented a Honda bike and crashed it into a telephone pole a few blocks from college. I broke my leg, but I was rescued by the young doctor who lives upstairs in the apartment house on the corner. He took me in and nursed me back to health, set my leg, and thanks to him, I'm up and around again. We wanted to let you know that we're getting married as soon as possible, but we're having some trouble on the blood test because there's some disease that keeps showing up. We do hope, however, that we will be married before the baby arrives and we'll be home soon after to, to live with you and dad. I know that you will love the baby as much as you have me, even though it will be of a different religion. But please try to understand, the reason we are having to come home to stay is that my doctor friend has flunked out of medical school because of all the attention he has had to give to my condition. Really, Mom, I didn't steal $20 out of my roommate's purse, or rent a Honda bike, or hit a telephone pole, or break my leg. I did not meet a young doctor of a different religion, nor are we getting married. There is no disease, or test, or baby to worry about, and I won't be home to live with you and Dad, and he won't be either. I am getting a D in geometry and an F in geology, however, and I wanted you to accept these grades in their proper perspective. Your loving daughter, Susie. You know, sometimes you just need to get a little perspective. The problems may not be quite so big as they seem at first. Jesus essentially told us that same thing. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 27, 
This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And I think the implied answer there is no. No, they can't. Now, you notice how ineffective getting stressed out is. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, they can't. How completely meaningless is it to get stressed out about things? Getting stressed out accomplishes nothing, at least nothing positive. If anything, it complicates things and makes you lose perspective. But what you need to do is relax and ask yourself, is it really worth it? Is it worth stressing about? Vance Havner put it this way. He said, worry is like a rocking chair. It will keep you busy, but won't get you anywhere. Number four, if you want to survive the stresses of life, remember that Jesus cares for you and knows what you're going through. You're not alone. Jesus knows and he cares. The Apostle Paul understood this. In the New Testament, Paul went through all kinds of things in his life that could cause him stress and could get him down. He had been arrested. He had been imprisoned. He had rocks thrown at him when they tried to stone him to death. And he had death threats. But listen to the words that he wrote to the church in the city of Philippi. In chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, he said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. See, he's saying he's had all kinds of, of circumstances in his life, some joyful and some that could cause him great stress. But then he said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul understood that he wasn't alone. Everything he went through, the good and the bad, he wasn't alone. Jesus, who is God, was on his side. And because of that, all the stresses of life were diminished. Jesus gave him the strength that he needed to handle everything. Where does your strength come from? If it comes from a relationship you have with Jesus Christ, then you've got nothing to worry about. Let me read a few other verses for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, just a, a little while earlier in, that chap, in, the, uh, in the chapter from uh, which we just read. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. How true is that? We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. And here's something else that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus can and will sustain you if you trust him to do that, and he invites you to do that. I think it's funny that we sometimes get it into our heads that we can handle the pressures of life better than the one who created life. But the truth is, he's the one who's uniquely equipped to handle everything. That's why it says in Proverbs in the Old Testament in chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. That's a promise. It was a promise then when it was written, and it's still a promise for you and me today. You can trust God, and He will strengthen you, and He will guide you through life if you're willing to trust Him and seek His will. Remember, Jesus cares for you and knows what you're going through. Number five, if you want to survive the stresses of life, don't try to go it alone. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. You see, we all need a support group of friends, especially when we're under stress. Our tendency is to withdraw from others uh, when we're going through a rough patch. We like to isolate ourselves. But that's precisely the time when we need each other. So seek to encourage other people who may be going through stressful times. And accept encouragement when people offer to you. Take time to get together with friends regularly. Enjoy yourself with them and laugh with each other. Be there to help each other. That's one of the reasons the church exists. To encourage and build each other up. So don't try to go it alone. You've got a whole support network right here at Sunrise. You don't need to try to handle life and all the curveballs that it may throw at you by yourself. We can be there for each other. If you want to survive the stresses of life, then that's what you need to do.